0: Right now in Fast and After Hours, warning from FedEx. The shipping giant blaming slowdowns in Europe, Asia, and elevated costs around the world for its weakness. We'll go inside the numbers straight ahead. So does this warning, along with the course of executive voices on troubles in the economy, get the Fed to take the pedal off the metal next week? We'll debate that. Plus. Hold'em or Fold'em shares a win surging on a big upgrade. Why one firm thinks the casino giant is one of the most compelling stories on the strip. And later, Amazon's ready for some football. Disney's plan to step into sports gambling. And is Kanye West being a gold digger by falling out of the gap and breaking it off of Adidas? Trade it or fade it? Yay. Coming up. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq Market Site. A full house on the desk and I Take a look at this. The rare occurrence, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Courtney Garcia and Dan Nathan all joining me here at the Nasdaq Market Site. We start off with the ugly earnings warning from FedEx stock getting crushed after hours. Our Frank Holland is here on set with us with all the details. Frank.
1: Yeah, Melissa, early warning here on the earnings and uh, it really hit the stock. The company issuing that warning saying it's facing a soft macro environment when it comes to all of its businesses, including its signature air delivery business, had a miss one revenue, an even bigger missing EPS. Obviously, that pressure the stock. But it's really the forward guidance, that EPS guidance has hit in this stock. Take a look at the numbers. You can see here, you don't need to be a mathematician to figure this out. FedEx guiding about half of what the street's looking for. It's also withdrawing its fiscal 2023 guidance and revising its CapEx lower, saying it expects business conditions to weaken into Q2. In the report, CEO Raj Rubamanian spelling out the issue, saying, in part, Global volumes decline as macroeconomic trends significantly worsen later in the quarter. Also adding in the report, the impact of cost actions lag, those volume declines and operating expenses, they remain high relative to, to demand. Spoke with a few company executives. They say the U.S. volumes, they're certainly softer, but the big issues, they're overseas. The integration of that TNT delivery network in Europe, bringing systems online, et cetera, something that has been a continuing drag on results. Also, COVID lockdowns in China, Lasting longer than expected and volume returning happening much slower than expected. So kind of getting hit on both sides to cut costs. FedEx plans to reduce flights for that signature air delivery, cut hours for workers and close about 90 FedEx office stores. Again, to cut costs as it faces weakening demand.
0: The context though, to this, Frank, is that they gave guidance or they talked about their guidance and their forward looking uh, you know, forecasts June 23rd. Right. So this is really falling off a cliff, literally, because for them to cut in half what their guidance is for the quarter since June 23rd, I mean, it's, it's amazing what has changed.
1: Well, in all fairness, FedEx obviously seeing a, a much different picture, but even analysts, I was there at that, their investor day yeah. in June. Everybody was feeling very optimistic about FedEx. Yeah. They, they put out some very optimistic uh, targets, for future fiscal years, um, also raise the dividend. So obviously a lot of optimism. Generally, companies don't raise their dividend unless they're feeling pretty good about what's coming up. So just a big change. One thing that I don't think anybody could have forecasted is that volumes in Asia being uh, much slower to resume than people expected. Those COVID lockdowns lasted longer. And here in the US, spending slowed down a lot faster than people thought.
0: Frank, thanks so much. Frank Holland with all the latest. Um, We've done this a few different times where we've talked about FedEx warning. Mm. So how much of this is FedEx and how much of this is the environment, Karen?
2: Well, I don't know for sure, but always some of it is FedEx. The irony that the one thing they delivered earlier on time was a pre-announcement. So we were Uh supposed to hear it next week. I get that. It's not funny, though. I'm long. (laughs) So uh, I'm long a little less. Now, than I was an hour ago um, for a few reasons. One is this is disappointing. I think this this cutting in half is actually a little, making it a little worse than it seems. They probably had some charges laying, you know, uh, for doing some of their cost reduction initiatives. One thing I find a little hard to believe they feel very confident in the cost reduction initiatives as it relates to 2025. I find that a little hard to believe given that June 23rd, they felt really good about August, September of this (laughs) year. So it is a very difficult environment, I'll give them that. But it's it's very, very frustrating. It's difficult, we have a new-ish CEO. He was sort of, you know, he's been there a long time, but in that role for not that long. And I think what's going to happen is, even though it's cheap, I think what's gonna happen is we're gonna see a number of companies now start to say something similar and FedEx, with its you know, reputation for missing, will trade down each time. Right. Even though they've already said theirs, right. I just feel like it will get pounded again and again. So now I just think, all right, you know what? I gotta just, I'm gonna lighten up, I'm gonna do you know, some tax efficient trading, sell high cost. If I wanna revisit, I can either buy UPS, Or I could wait 31 days and buy FedEx, but uh, very, very disappointing, both for FedEx specifically and then questionable more broadly. What does that mean? Speaking of other companies talking
0: about the difficult environment, GE warning just moments ago on the supply chain. The CFO actually saying the supply chain continues to be tough, continues to impair its ability to deliver to customers. Uh, So that stock is down 5 percent, just adding to this sort of corporate bad news wave here, Tim? Well,
3: I I worry less about GE only only because this is a dynamic on supply chain and things. First of all, we've seen this before, and FedEx is so much more cyclically important to the economy. And and what I think I heard Karen saying, though, she might as well have said UPS is running their business so much better than FedEx. I mean, that's really the story. And when you think about UPS, their ability to handle uh, short-term cost pressures, their ability to actually balance their their margin, their gross margin is probably three or four turns better than FedEx's. But um, ultimately, you know, And Frank mentioned the analyst community and and really where they are on this. Citibank's Chris Weatherby actually downgraded uh, FedEx, I think it was a week ago today or maybe, you know, early last week. And great foresight. But again, the same point was what's the issue that is different about GE to FedEx is, look, this is a warning on demand. This is a warning on on freight volume. This is a warning on on TL volume. This is a story where uh, we're all looking to see where in cyclicality and in FedEx, this is where you get that visibility.
0: Yeah, Courtney.
4: Yeah, I I think that's the big thing here, right, is if demand is going down, I think what does that mean for the bigger picture? Because we have to see a slowing economy and we have to see that deterioration in consumer demand in order for eventually the Fed to start lowering interest rates, which as we saw with that CPI report, people don't think it's coming anytime soon, but if we do start to get more data like this coming out, that does start to um, really have an argument against if they need to continue being so aggressive with their rate hikes.
0: Right. I mean, there's also the question of the corporate side of the business in terms of businesses sending packages, et cetera. And so we have not, as you've made the point repeatedly, we have not heard any sort of Uh, demand
5: is not on enterprise Enterprise, and
0: so you got to wonder if that's coming down the pike so
5: let's let's kind of take it back a few months okay we had a a couple of these double downgrades of guidance going back into the spring right we saw snap do it we saw target do it we saw microsoft do it and microsoft was really interesting they guided on currency but they didn't you know again on, on two occasions over the last four months they said they're not seeing a weakening in enterprise demand and i think if you're starting to connect some of the dots here i mean it's pretty simple to start thinking about when you see other companies at different parts of you know how they touch consumers or how they cut touch businesses It's not until we start seeing these layoffs and we start seeing basically, you know, weak demand in other pockets, we're going to see enterprise companies start pulling back a little bit. I think it's interesting that we've seen um, companies push through as much of these input costs that they could, right, to defend their margins. We just saw S&P margins at like an all-time high or something like that. And I think what these warnings tell us is that that's not going to continue for the balance of the year. And we were talking about this last night. If you are a CEO and you used to be in a situation in the last couple weeks of a quarter or maybe the last month of a quarter and say, all right, let's make this quarter and let's just kind of figure out the next quarter as we can. I don't think that's happening. I think that's what's going on tonight with GE and with FedEx. I think we're going to see that accelerate into quarter end. So I think that, again, pulling full year, 20, the full year of this guidance is, just tells you how weak the visibility is right now.
2: They're on a they're not on a, uh, on a fiscal, fiscal, fiscal year. Yeah. This yeah. current
5: fiscal year starting right now. Yeah, year. No,
2: there's nothing good. There's no way to spin it good. There's no good. I'm curious because
0: mm-hmm. Frank seemed to, to focus on Asia and, and the fact that lockdowns affected them much more than had been anticipated. But in terms of Europe, you got to wonder about fuel costs there and just sort of demand just completely drying up given what is going yeah. on with inflation and, and energy
2: costs there. Yes, for sure. And that was some good margin business, right? So that's yeah. probably also just to the CapEx. I imagine they're not they're they're cutting their own CapEx FedEx, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if GE will announce something similar. Maybe they're not quite as enterprise spendy as some of the Maybe it's a little more industrial spend, but I guess we're going to see more broadly.
3: And and FedEx has made it clear that they've been a little bit longer term thinking than UPS. And that's part of where I think on the here and the now, you know, on some level, we should be thinking out uh, really into their fiscal 24, except for the fact that this is a company that has, as Karen pointed out, a lot to fix in terms of how they are addressing. And as Dan pointed out, the pricing power that these shippers have had, they've raised prices through. They got the higher end of a a price range about four or five months ago. Uh, Let's see what they can do going forward.
0: Just taking a look at how the stocks are reacting the after-hour session, that tells me at least that this is it's much more of a FedEx issue. issue than anybody else's issue. Given UPS is down five percent and FedEx is down fifteen at this point. Court.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right, and I think that's what you want to look at here is um, FedEx. Clearly, this is going to be a problem for them. And when you look at them, they're down what fourteen percent right now, and they have done this before, where they're going to really. Um, take down their guidance and try to beat that and I think moving forward it's nothing I'm worried about from the overall market
0: yeah
5: Dan Well, I mean, listen, when you think about a UPS, I mean, these were cheap stocks relative to the markets. I know you guys have preferred FedEx on valuation, high single digits, PE multiple versus the expected growth this year. It looked like on a peg basis looked pretty attractive. And I think that's one of the things I think some of these stocks that look like really good values as the economy might start to. I think that what a lot of investors were starting to think in June is like we're pricing the worst case scenarios in. Right. And so you have a two month rally and all of a sudden, you know, a lot of us are like, "No, no, no, the economy is weakening. We had the deceleration in the first half of this year versus the pandemic comps. And now we actually have a weakening global economy. And I think put the, you know, the situation in Europe and China into it, it's really hard to uh, just kind of conceive a scenario where we are not going to be in a recession. I know the recession word doesn't matter, but take these companies for what they're telling you. When you have companies pulling full year guidance, it tells you they have no visibility.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, why should they? I never think companies why? should do guidance. I never. I, I, I always know, think but they, they all. Do. But they do. But you I do. and I have been can't. fighting about this for ten years. Know. They all do.
6: Some <laughs> of them. Some, you know, of, them, yeah. some many, of them
2: have done Many it. do. Though. Many, many do. do. Yeah. Yeah. They're right to pull guidance. What are they supposed to say in this environment? We got a lot of clarity? I mean, well, I know, they're but, right but to but pull guidance.
5: But for the quarter, if, they, if, the, if the, the consensus estimates that they had just guided to was $5.44, and they're coming in at wherever they're coming at three forty-four, or whatever, Whatever. But, so all of a sudden they've built in like a huge bucket. You should be able to give some guidance for the full year. I think, just,
2: why, why? Why? What's the upside? Because they have. Because they
3: have. They're being judged right now based upon what they've told us. And I, and right, I realize right. that at some point they've got to come in and restate it and lower the the bar, and and I think we what Dan's saying is we're at that place where companies are actually deciding, you know, forget, let's not try to get through this quarter, let's lower the bar. I just think that FedEx is a case where this has been a prove-me story. This has been a story that's so lagged UPS. It's a story that, to me, in this environment also, uh, look, by the way, this is a day we settled a rail strike today. Uh, Pricing in across shipping is going higher. Labor costs are feeding through. We haven't even started to do that. Uh, And we're complaining, really, this is a FedEx cost issue as much as a demand thing. Uh,
0: It's almost like the markets are giving companies a free passing. You know what? Go ahead, pull your guidance because the markets are selling off anyway. Why not? It's simply the important thing
2: to do. And why? Why I, I think they should pull their guidance here because they're clearly right. Things have changed very dramatically, and how are they supposed to have confidence? That they have a handle on how quick. uh, Here's what's really hard for
5: investors. The last time companies like FedEx pulled their guidance for the full year was in the like the throes of the pandemic. Right. And what was happening? You know, we had the the Fed and we had the Treasury throwing trillions of dollars at it. The exact opposite is happening. QT is being tuned up right now. So why have guidance then? So why have guidance then? Well, what I'm saying is, is like, okay, we could actually give them a mulligan back then. But right now, we're two years past that. And the Chinese, we're all we're all here. We're back on the desk. The pandemic's yeah. over and the Chinese are locking down cities of 20 million and stuff like that. So I yeah. guess my point is, mm-hmm. is like, you know, we're not easing. You know, we're not going to ease out of this for the stock market right now. That's but not I happening.
2: think what we're going through, the, you know, the the Russian Ukraine situation created a European crisis that in some ways may be just as big as the pandemic. So we're, this isn't this is a big deal. And, right. and now, so I think, I think you're, saying this, okay. you're both saying the same thing. And I would add on
3: that when, remember in October and November of 2020 when we were starting to see the stock market rally aggressively and we were saying when we get back to normalized earnings is when you want to sell these stocks. Right. We're not getting back to normalized no. earnings. We're, we're getting back to a place where we have these headwinds. We have a, another growth scare coming out of Europe. And we have supply chain costs that are still right. with us. Listen to GE, although I'm not sure anybody's listening Fed was to was setting GE. up a trade
0: when it injected all the stimulus into the economy, the Congress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're unwinding that trade now. So as much as it was volatile and unpredictable on that side of the trade, it should be just as much so, maybe more so, on this side of the trade. I mean, I think that's sort of what the theory would be at this point. Um, We should note that we started the morning, very interestingly, with some very, very stern comments from uh, real estate billionaire Barry Sternlich, saying essentially that the economy is breaking hard, cracks are starting to form, and that if Powell doesn't take his foot off the gas now, we will see a serious recession. Now we have the warning from FedEx to sort of button this day. Let's bring in our senior economics reporter, Steve Leisman, for more on, on all of what has happened. Um, Steve, obviously, you know, you take Sternlich's comments with a grain of salt. He's sort of talking his book. He's a real estate guy. His whole business was built on low interest lower rates. rates. <laughs> um, and, but, but still, when you add sort of the real-time data that we're getting from a FedEx, you have to wonder whether or not the Fed is going to, too much full steam ahead with interest rate hikes and not seeing what the impact truly is first.
6: It's entirely possible, Melissa. I think the argument of people like Barry and other folks is that the Fed is either disconnected from what's happening in the real economy and/ or operating on old data. I think the Fed might respond in this context. what's happening now and what Barry Sternlich is seeing to some extent, is precisely what they want to see in terms of a slowing economy. Um, Barry is in an industry, Barry Sternlich, an industry that is taking it on the chin as a result of what's happening with higher higher, uh, interest rates and what's happening in the real estate market. Unclear to me that the rest of the economy is taking it quite so severely. I was looking back at Walmart's earnings report just a month ago. It was fairly robust, same with Home Depot. Uh, the, the retail sales numbers today were somewhat mixed, depending on how you look at them. Uh, and the job the jobless claims numbers were also pretty robust. So um, we're definitely seeing a slowing here, whether or not we're seeing a stoppage. You know, Barry mentioned Walmart. And, and look, if Walmart has, <clears throat> pardon me, additional guidance to give, it probably should come forward and give it if it's seeing all things stopping. But we're just not seeing that. You know, tomorrow, mm. Apple's having a pretty big event. They're going out uh, crazy and launching their... Uh, they're new electronics, and, and you don't get a sense from them that they believe the consumer is any sort of a, a hard stop here, which is uh, what I think uh, uh, Barry Sternlich is talking the, about. The,
0: con- the concern, I think, though, Steve, from not just Barry Sternlich, but also <clears throat> the likes of a Jeff Gunlock yesterday, as he told Scott Wapner, um, Elon Musk, Larry Summers, uh, not Larry Summers, mm-hmm. scrap that, excuse me, um, is that is that basically... The Fed is, is doing this, and we haven't seen the impact. So the economy is slowing right now, but those two back-to-back 75-point hikes have not hit full fully, correct? And so when that does hit, uh, what um, happens is the economy that's already
6: slowing. Almost, almost certainly true, but listen, I, I, t- I can take it from two different sides here. First mm-hmm. of all, um, you know, uh, Barry mentioned the idea that he thinks inflation, it's okay to go down to 3 to 4%. That's unacceptable, for the Fed, it's probably unacceptable for the U.S. economy. Just look at how difficult it is for you guys to figure out what the heck is going on in this economy right now with inflation the way it is. Retail sales came in this morning. How much of that was inflation? How much was not? How can businesses plan in an environment like that? The Fed is not going to move off of that goal of 2% and say, okay, 3 or 4% is good enough. That's the first thing. The other thing I think that's out there, which is really significant, is the idea that um, we have to – uh, uh, slow down the economy somewhat here. And where do you think interest rates ought to be? Do you believe that we're in a world mm-hmm. of, of of low underlying, secularly low inflation such that we need to go back to the good old days when, when uh, the funds rate was 1% or 2%? I don't think so. I think you can make a pretty good argument that there's an underlying funds rate that ought to be around 3%. And if you want to be restrictive, it ought to be around 4%. So, I feel like there's a good sort of theme out there of some people want to click their heels and go back to Kansas where the funds rate was 2%. I don't think we're going back there. I think if you're thinking about your portfolio right now, you ought to think about a, a funds rate and a two year bond that is properly in a 3 to 4% rate. I don't range think anybody's I don't money think anybody's in the here, future has a cost.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, Steve. I don't think anybody here at least is saying that we should, because you're implying an actual pivot from what the Fed is doing. We're just wondering if there should be a pause at this, not a reversal. Um, and, 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 but let's see where we are,
3: Tim. And, and Steve, there's a difference. So let's go back to Sternlich's, uh Term. He, he said breaking. There's a difference between breaking with an A and breaking with an EA. And breaking with an A is slowing down. Breaking EA is falling apart nice. and breaking. Well, well that's lovely. what I do here. It's wordsmith. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Steve, my question is, so uh, the Fed in, in ju- essentially in July started telling us just this. We really don't know the impact of what our rates and what our hikes have done to the economy. And that was where the market, by the way, um, got a lot of ammunition to interpret this as a pivot. Fed funds are 100 basis points higher out in April. We're about 445 today. Um, and, and yet the Fed two months ago was telling us that they actually were a little concerned about this.
6: Yeah, I mean, look, the Fed does not want to break the economy. It wants to break the economy. Throwing it right back at thank you there, Timmy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the <laughs> Fed doesn't want to break the economy; wants to B-R-A-K-E the economy, to be more specific. Um, but remember what they've said: if breaking inflation requires breaking the economy, I think they're going to do that. And and I think that a mild recession is something the Fed would tolerate here, um, because it sees the imp- it is it is elevated the importance of reducing inflation. Above economic growth, and it feels, by the way, still that there is some play in this economy, and some of that play comes from what's happening in the jobs market, which is still, you know, you saw jobless claims uh, decline today. You still have a large number of job openings out there in the economy. You still have a labor supply issue, um, and and the Fed is hell bent on this issue, and and look, Ray Dalio and Jeff Gunlack and. Um, uh, and Barry Sternlich complaining is, is part of what you might expect to hear, I hate to say this, if the Fed's doing its job.
4: Yeah, and I think the idea, too, that they're looking at outdated data, right, and that inflation might actually be coming down is interesting because there, there is that to support it, although there's probably just as much as to support the other argument right now. Uh, but I think really we, we do need to see certain things come down. I think the biggest things right now are going to be um, a strong labor market, which is wage growth, and also a tight housing market. Those are the things right now that have to come down. So even though we are seeing warnings from places like FedEx, I don't think that's what the Fed is going to need to see, unfortunately, to start to lower interest rates here. So I don't think this is as important what happened next week. I think most people assume it's going to be at least 75 basis points is what they're going to do moving forward. And I think we're going to unfortunately have to see a little bit more pain there before they're coming down.
0: Uh, Steve, thanks as always for joining and, and, us. And just yeah, one more uh, thing, Melissa,
6: sure. one more thing. I did get I did get some data that today that does show rates in some cities are peaking. I wish I could cite this, this, this study that I just read. That's the sort of thing I think the Fed's going to look at. The trouble the fed's going to have is going to take some time for that to work into the data and and in that regard i think barry stern like and others have a really important argument which is that it may not show up in the data before the fed sees it still the fed has to get to a place the destination is three and a quarter to four percent i think that's where the fed is going and that's where the fed may stop if the data do indeed turn uh, and inflation looks like it's on its way down
0: all right steve uh, thank you steve leesman uh, in terms of the data and things not showing up in the data yet maybe job losses have not started to hit the data, the overall headline number
5: yet at all. At yeah, and point. that's coming in a theory near you when you have the sort of, uh, you know, announcements that we just had tonight. Good for <clears throat> Well, <laughs> uh, okay, Wordsmith over there. No, I'll, I'll just say this, you know, this line. is actually kind of setting up a little similar to June. Early June, the SP sold off 10% into that pivot from a 50 basis point height, which was consensus, to a 75. And then what happened is we rallied out of it. Now we rallied for two months because a lot of investors thought they were going to do exactly what Courtney just kind of thought about. But here's the thing, the problem now is that if we do rally out of this, because they do say we're going to take our pedal off of the metal right now, they've gotten to the point what Steve just said for Fed funds. They've gotten above three percent, and maybe that is the new normal for now until the next crises. But I guess the way I'm thinking about it is, if they are taking a pause, it is because they broke something. I don't know, however you want to spell it, because the economy is well, starting is to a slow pause, dramatically. A pause
0: is like no, is data dependent,
5: like, or this. But maybe it's just acknowledging some of the pressure that's been put on uh-huh. some of the things, housing. Maybe they're going to say we expect unemployment to so rise a above four percent. Pause
0: would no longer be a pivot. A pause would be just something. Cor- correct.
5: And, and my point is, is that yeah. that's not going to be good for stocks the way it has been in right. times past. And then if we really do have a global recession that is sustained, then Fed funds starts going lower. And again, maybe that's when you buy the dip.
2: I just think that the the, the Fed needs to have credibility as well as trying to address the inflation issue. And for them to lose credibility by turning right now after we're starting to see yeah. some progress or no progress on inflation i don't think they can do it all right a quick programming note
0: here the fedex ceo will be joining jim mm. tonight on mad money that is a must-see interview coming up gambling gain shares a win hitting the jackpot as analysts roll the dice in the gaming space will break down the casino call next plus adobe scooping up design startup figma for 20 billion dollars and when a wall street's top tech banker says this is just the start of a big surge in mergers he will join us. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a call of the day on Wynn. Shares surging 7.5% after Credit Suisse upgraded the casino stock to an outperform. Analysts seeing more upside in their Las Vegas business, plus ongoing recovery in Macau that hasn't been priced into the stock. So should investors be placing their bets? Can't resist. On Wynn. Timothy? I
3: think so, uh, but I've thought so for a while, and I've thought <laughs> so with Las Vegas Sands. I haven't thought so necessarily with Melco or, or some of the really core plays, and part of the reason why I've liked Las Vegas Sands is because I actually think they're exposed uh, in other parts of Southeast Asia, but they also have some strip properties. But in Wynn's case, I mean, I think you have a dynamic. We've gotten data out of out of, uh, out of of Caesars about what's going on on the strip. <laughs> it's record time on the strip, so if you think about the, the core business in the U.S., it's actually very strong. In terms of what's going on in Macau, there is some sense, we've started to hear some some, some Fall through on where licensing and renewals are going and that at least big brother that is the form of the chinese government that a lot of people have been scared of uh, i think some of that pressure is off i think this is really about shutdown and this is about COVID, and this is a case where there's some sense we've got a little more visibility on reopening i know it doesn't sound great Today, when we have all these other headwinds,
0: so things are hot on the strip now. Yes. According to other data points. Very. Okay, we just came off. We, we spent 22 minutes talking about how things are going to slow down and there's going to be a recession that will likely. be does to the Vegas
5: United every States. weekend. No, no, I'm hard so, pressed to think the conference business comes back the way it does. For like like think about for that. Vegas? Yeah, for Vegas. I mean, like I I know that it came back in this kind of window, but if you have all these corporates got like, and we just saw Google last week said non-essential travel and stuff like right. that. So to me, I actually think this is a lot of that post-COVID hangover people had. To get their Vegas fixed, but, but I think the corporate stuff. Might and be I dry. get
3: that you're, yep. you're, you may be dead on, except for you've taken EBITDA multiples of these companies and you've cut them in half. I mean, I, I think you, I mean, look at these stocks; they're priced near COVID lows, and I think the valuations are where I get a little bit more excited.
4: Yeah, and I, I think as much as there is some short-term optimism with Vegas, I do see this really as a, as a China story, right? Because I think months ago we were talking about, oh, it looks like they're going to be reopening in China. They did, and it's taking a lot slower than normal. But as that starts to reopen, especially as a longer-term play, I think there's a lot of upside here because there's only so many players in Macau also, and they are one of those. So I do think if you're of the mindset that China is going to reopen, they are going to be a beneficiary of that.
0: There is a lot more Fast money to come. Here's what's coming up next.
6: Software shakeup, a major tech deal stirring up the M&A space. And our next guest thinks this is just the beginning. The details next. Plus Prime to Punt, the NFL making its big Amazon debut. So will the e-commerce giant deliver for digital? The traders are tackling that one next. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money Wall Street, giving today's big tech deal two thumbs down. Adobe scooping a private software firm, Figma. Adobe dropping nearly 17 percent. Figma getting a major premium in this deal. Just last year, it was valued at $10 billion in the private market. The software space has been suffering this year. The IGB, the ETF that tracks the group, down over 30 percent. Our next guest predicts that we will see a jump in tech mergers due to the economic downturn. Rick Sherland is a vice chair of technology investment banking at B of A, Maryland. She's known for hitting number one on the institutional investor all-star list 17 times in a row. That's longer than the show has been on the air. Rick, it is an mm-hmm. honor to have you <laughs> on Fast Money. Good to see you. Uh, where do you suspect more of the deals will happen uh, amongst, you know, in terms of if, where the targets come from? In publicly traded markets where we've seen valuations taking a beating or in the private markets where there seems to still be a, a willingness to, to give them premiums?
7: Yeah, let's, let's start with some context. The, the software group um, valuations are down a lot um, the stocks from their peak in November are down 65% for the fastest growing group of companies and 55% for the broader SaaS software group and the valuations for the highest group are down from 35 times next year's revenue to 8 and the broader groups compressed from 20 to 6 so the valuations are down um, a lot and whether We think that's the bottom is something that you know we can kind of talk about but I do think you need to get through third quarter earnings reports to feel confident that maybe the bad news is largely out into the market because companies will be reporting lengthening of sales cycles it's just what you do when you go through an economic slowdown your customers are more cautious with their spending and companies of course are trying to trim their own spending Reducing Salesforce headcount and just growing less aggressively. So I think we need to reset expectations for 2023. Um, and third, I think you've got to be very bullish on the long-term fundamentals of the sector. Every company's becoming a digital enterprise. So, you know, the 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 buyers of software now are m- much broader. It used to be something you'd sell to IT. Now it, it is the business. So sort of got to feel very bullish about the long-term outlook. And another point would be the IPO market. Um, you know, it's not open, but when the window does open back up, you're going to see um, a, a lot of companies going public. Those will be high-quality companies. The valuations will be more reasonable than you saw in the last cycle when we had, you know, zero interest rates and free money. Uh, but uh, the, the pipeline is extremely robust when the window finally does open back up. But the last point is on M&A, and, and I do think that we're going to see an increasingly active M&A market and, uh, and it's something that we're very active in. Um, I think the strategics, the companies with all the cash, would like to see more capitulation in valuation thinking by the private companies. Those expectations were set last year um, in you know, this environment of very high multiples. So as you go into next year, I would expect that you'll see more capitulation on the valuation expectations and the premiums that are required to make these deals happen. Um, but also you have private equity with a boatload of cash and um, they need functioning uh, uh, debt markets uh, for leverage to do deals but they are a backstop on valuation so they're very eager and actively mm-hmm. looking at this sector so I think it suggests that MA in the absence of an IPO market you're just going to see a lot more consolidation coming in this sector.
5: Rick, no doubt about that, but, you know, when you see Adobe lose basically the market cap of what they agreed to pay for the company that they're acquiring, doesn't that kind of make some other strategic in the public market take a step back and rethink valuations because 50 times sales seems like something so 2021. Um, And then the other thing is like, yeah, there was a lot of P.E. bids for software earlier this year. It seems like they haven't been around a whole heck of a lot. There's been a couple big deals, so just, just on that front, I guess.
7: Yeah, thanks. I, I really need to stay away from individual stocks. I, I used to enjoy chatting with you folks about stocks, but as a banker, I'm trying to develop social skills and stop talking about stocks. So <laughs> um, I can't. I can't kind of go there on on, uh, on Adobe. Um, but uh, just broadly to your to your point about uh, private equity, um, you know, they are dependent on leverage, um, and even though they've been writing bigger equity checks. Um, the uh, non investment grade market's been shut. Um, and we are starting to see signs that the uh, uh, debt markets are becoming more functional. Uh, we're starting to see more block trade. So we're kind of encouraged by increasing financing activity. But I think that's been a constraint on private equity's ability to do all the deals that they would like to do. Um, but also, like the strategics, you do need to see greater capitulation. And I think as more time goes by, um, you know, companies will um, have their valuation expectations softened. And that will, that will uh, combined with more fully functional financial markets, I think accelerate the pace of M&A.
0: Rick, uh, great to get your take on these things. We wish we had more time. We had a lot of FedEx news at the top of the show, but we'll have you back if you'll agree to come okay. back. Rick Sherland, good to see you. Thanks. Um, so what, what do we think? Uh, and what do we think specifically about the Adobe deal? I mean, Dan makes a good point in terms of how much it is paying for something that is expected to only give it like 2% right. sales
3: growth. Well, <laughs> and, and in fact, you know, they, they, on an ARR basis, recurring revenue, they do in, in a year what, what Adobe does in five minutes, it seems. And, and so uh, Dan pointed out 50 times. I, I just say also, you know, Adobe was punished today also on an outlook. This wasn't just, this was a combination of two things. And, and also this is a company that's so free cash flow created that um, when you hear as an investor that actually we may have to take out a small-term loan um, if we don't have the cash in the books right now to pay and we're going to pause our, our, our buybacks until that, which is what they said. Um, and so if you're somebody that, that for this, this stock has been a very predictable cash flow machine, uh, I think that's where some of the disappointment is. Their, their last couple quarters, the numbers have not been great, and I think that plays into this move today.
2: Also, so the structure of the deal is interesting. 10 billion cash, 10 billion stock. They're basically yeah. selling, right? They're... they're their stock trading was down 33% year to day prior to today's decline. They're using that as currency. Right. Yeah. Right. And what does that tell you about their confidence? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's an extraordinarily expensive deal. I'm kind of surprised. But. but not
3: an extraordinarily expensive company. I'll just say, I mean, at, at 25 yeah. times 23 free cash flow. I, I mean, again, we just talked through these things. Dan, and I don't know if you've got a different view. I'd be
5: shocked this deal gets done, to be honest with you.
2: I, I think it's getting done. Do you think it's getting done? Yeah. There's no shareholder vote. I was looking at that. Shareholders might rebel. They won't. They can't. They don't don't have the right.
0: Coming up, e-commerce kickoff. A big night for Amazon as the NFL debuts its first game on the streaming service. But will this be a viewership victory for digital? More on that next. Plus, we're gearing up for some home builder earnings next week and homing in on KB Home as the stock tries to recover from a rough month. The options action is next. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. If you're just joining us, uh, check out shares of FedEx. They are down fifteen and a quarter percent after hours on an ugly earnings warning. The company citing higher costs, global softness. The rest of the shippers, truckers, also being hit hard. Um, at FedEx, at this hour, not as hard as you can see but they are getting hit. Moving on here, Amazon making its NFL debut in just a few hours. The company streaming tonight's game between the Los Angeles Chargers and Kansas City Chiefs. The NFL deal grants Amazon the exclusive rights to carry the Thursday night games on its prime video platform. It is the first streamer to secure such a deal. Our Julia Borson now on what this means for the sports streaming world. Julia.
8: Well, tonight is the first of 15 regular season Thursday night games that Amazon will stream exclusively to its Prime Video subscribers. And it's going into tonight's game after a week of ratings gains. The week is up 5% over last year with the biggest opening weekend the NFL has seen since 2016. So now the question is, Which streamer will snag rights to NFL Sunday Ticket and NFL media, whether it'll be Amazon again or Apple, Disney's ESPN Plus or Google's YouTube? All of them are having talks with the NFL, according to a source familiar.
1: We do believe and we've said publicly that we think Sunday Ticket is a package that is right for innovation. And we think digital will do that. So whatever you see and whenever we announce what we're going to do, I think you will see a much more digitally focused Sunday ticket.
8: Looking beyond Amazon and the NFL to other sports news, Disney's Bob Chapek making headlines today when he told our David Faber that he does not want ESPN to become a sports book that does open the door for partnerships when Disney does take that next step and
0: allows gambling through ESPN+. Plus. Melissa. Julia, thank you, Julia Borson. Um, Dan, how are you feeling about uh, about these streamers, and what does this mean oh. for? I mean, what does this impute onto Disney's ESPN business?
5: All right. So my parents put their credit card in Amazon probably like uh, four years ago, okay. And so my dad really likes football, so he's going to want to watch this Thursday night game. Do you think he has any idea how to watch his uh, streaming Prime membership sort of thing? I mean, like this is this has the potential to be a disaster, okay, for people. Like Guy Dami would love to be watching this game, but you could put a gun to his head in, 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 and say, was, figure out how to access was, your Prime. In, in, and watch it's the game.
0: Demographic, but not the only. You know, they're not. Okay, so they're going to see a bunch of, of
5: like millennials walking around watching it on their iPhone. But, but guy, no one else cannolis and drinking football. port in Italy right now, and he can actually That's log true. in
3: to do it. I mean, the digital format and the flexibility for these sports leagues is nothing like they've ever seen. Yeah. This is an 11-year deal. It's a watershed moment. You've got Al Michaels, who's the greatest sportscaster of all time, right. who's actually leading this off. So I mean, I, I just think this is a case, and, and we see what the trend is in terms of player salaries and the you know the ability of these leagues and their need to actually monetize. more more aggressively than ever. I I think this is another death knell for linear TV. I mean, why else do we watch, you know, some of these sports other than NBC, of course, our parent network, um, uh, on Saturday?
4: No, I was going to say the same point. I think the only reason my household actually has cable is specifically because of football and sports. And if that starts going to our streaming, whether it's Amazon or Disney or whatever case, I mean, we would probably cut cable. And I think that's a lot of really the younger generation. I agree. I think my parents or grandparents probably don't want to do that. Um, But I think it's going to work.
2: are yes, here. My parents <laughs> <mom> said,
0: oh <laughs> really? Oh, that's so nice. Hi. They may not want to do it, but other people. <laughs> yes, but I. I think they're gonna that's... figure
5: it out. I can tell. <laughs> they look smart. Not, not, to, them, not though, tonight. Yeah. They won't.
0: <laughs> now <laughs> while they're watching CNBC's Fast Money. By um, the way, there is a button on most remote controls, Dan, that actually says Prime Not really. Not really? No. I mean, no, no, like, listen.
5: Watch. I don't have a kids on the TV. I have an Apple TV, TV, and and I mean, l- this is not as easy as people think. All right. It's a near-term problem.
0: Coming up, homebuilder hype. Some names in the space gearing up to report earnings next week, and some options traders are betting on some shaky foundation in one stock. How they are playing it next, and Kanye West weighing in on his split from Gap, what he had to say about the retail landscape in his own clothing line. Yes, he talked to CNBC. We got the details on Fast Money Returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out KB Home finishing flat to end the day. The stock down nearly uh, 16% over the past month. And one options trader is making a huge bet. This name will not appreciate anytime soon. Mike has got the action. Mike.
7: Yeah, so KB Home traded 16 times its average daily put volume. And the reason for that was a very large trade. Uh, What we saw was actually a trader rolling a substantial position in the January 2024 15 puts out to the January 2025 15-strike puts. Now, you'll observe that that would represent a near 50% decline in KB Home's stock price net of the premium that they're spending on those. But I would make the quick point that this company is double B-rated. That's non-investment grade, and some of their debt is yielding over 8%. My suspicion is this is probably a hedge against a bond position.
0: Uh, Tim, how are you feeling about KB or, or home builders in
3: well, general? Well, we spend a little time talking about where interest rates are going. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, the, the trade around that is very difficult. Uh, housing prices have not come down; they will start to come down that much more, and, and there is a supply issue. But uh, you know, the cost based upon mortgages, I, I just think if I'm going to be in this space, I, I'm waiting for my opportunities in Home Depot or Lowe's, uh, and even some of the other po- folks like like RH.
0: All right, Mike Coe, see you tomorrow. Tomorrow's the full show, options action, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, Kanye West weighing in on his Gap deal ending, what he told CNBC about his own clothing line, the details when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Is Ye a gold digger or a guru? Kanye West says he is exiting his partnership with his company, Yeezy, and The Gap. He also wants to end his deal with Adidas. Shares of The Gap and Adidas dropping on this news. Kanye says both companies haven't lived up to their obligations. Kanye joined Sarah Eisen on the closing bell to make his case.
3: I
2: signed on with them because they had, uh, in the contract, they said they were going to do stores. And they just ignored us about building stores constantly and it 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 was
3: very frustrating it was very disheartening because I just put everything I had
0: it looks like he's in the closet um putting that aside uh, (laughs) basically we're asking are you trading or fading Kanye West here at this point I mean you think it's a good
2: move well I I, you know Gap said we are terminating so so they're not trying to fight it but we could see that later the thing that's interesting to me there are a few products that are still to come out those are going to be so hot. Oh yeah, right. Like I what? mean, what? collectors' what? items. What whatever they whatever are. it is, <laughs> that's going to be huge. Very short term for Gap. I mean, he's got to go it alone now, if he's because if you're a corporate, right? If you're a corporate entity that wants a, that wants to do a, a partnership, we've seen a couple times it's been difficult to do one with him, as super talented as he is, as huge a following as he has. It's hard to do. Do you, so, said, do you but, wear Yeezys? Do used? I? Yeah. No, you, I don't. You, you, to, you have a? Come on, you don't have a pair. I don't. I don't believe it. Do you? you know, I got Pumas. No, and,
3: I <laughs> First of all, the way you asked that question, I mean, like, do you? Well, no.
2: Well,
0: you I, mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you. I mean, I don't know. Dan, what you're if anybody,
3: Danny's, he's, he's a sneakerhead. Come on, hardcore Nike guy
0: here. Is he a no-touch <laughs> at this point, or I mean, like, and in, in, what's the deal with Gap at this point, Courtney?
4: I do think it's interesting. I mean, if anything, Kanye definitely knows how to sell stuff. He does tend to make good, he's like a fashion icon, right? So it is interesting that Gap right now, they are closing stores and you're looking at things like Gap or one of their less profitable stores. So now they're losing Kanye there, which probably isn't good. So they need to focus more on things like Athleta or things like Old Navy, which are a little more profitable for them. So it's probably not good and it's something that's already not doing well for them.
2: Yeah. What's your take Mm -hmm. on the Gap and where it is and it's alleged turnaround? Uh, I just think it's very difficult sledding here. It was remember how much the stock went up when they announced the Kanye deal. Right. So I think it's bad in terms of, you know, except for this brief, I think any hit they have in the holiday season will be short lived. And so uh, not long. All right. Up next, final trades.
0: One more check on FedEx here. The shipping giant warning just before we came to air. The stock is still down more than 15% at this hour. A quick reminder here the CEO will be joining Jim on Mad Money at the top of the hour, so just a couple of minutes away from, from this interview. Karen, what would
2: you want to ask him? W- uh, WTF? I mean, what 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 happened? <laughs> I, I, I don't. Wow. I just. I, I. am okay with them not giving guidance. I just. I'm really frustrated with uh, with this. They've missed again and again. And they seem to get together. Then they don't. And how can they have confidence in their plan for 2025 if if they didn't see this coming? And I don't blame them. It's a difficult environment. So it's frustrating to me. Yeah, a credibility and- problem is. Uh- <laughs> to say the least here.
0: Final trade time. Tim Seymour.
2: Walmart was
3: a company that at least three months ago or two months ago when they announced had a credibility problem. I think that inventory issue is certainly not in the rearview mirror, much better. And look at that chart. It's one of the better charts out there.
2: Karen Feinerman. Yeah. As a frustrated and wrong shareholder, of FedEx, do not buy the dip here. Courtney Garcia. Nordstrom actually just had
4: had an improvement in their um, outlook here. And actually, I like that call because you see 70% of Gen Z and millennials are looking to upgrade their wardrobe, and especially your higher income. Nordstrom is actually one of the ones as well positioned to play within your retailers.
0: Dan Nathan.
5: Yeah, on the Amazon, really quickly here. I mean, like getting it on your TV. Anybody can sit in their bed and watch the game on their laptop, but that's not the TV experience. Okay, my final trade. Uh, CME, I think they like the volatility. I like the volatility in the markets. I bought it this week.
0: Thanks for watching Fast. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more. Meantime, Mad Money, sitting down with the CEO of FedEx. That starts right now.